Great to see you. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis 18. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Genesis. And, of course, this section of the book is still focusing on the life of Abraham. And, of course, his name was Abram, and then God changed his name to Abraham. And as we look at this passage this evening, once again, God reminds Abraham and Sarah his promise concerning his son. If you remember, God had already told them they're going to have a son. They would have a son. His name would be Isaac. In about a year, God has said that's going to happen. And he'd already told Abraham this. And now we're going to see, tell Sarah, make sure she understands and her response. Of course, her response is she laughs. Now, if you remember when God told Abraham this, Abraham laughed. Uh, but this time she laughs, and, and uh, we understand that they're going to child, name the child Isaac, which means laughter. That's the name. And so uh, the truth is, nothing is impossible with God. Not, not if he's planning. He's able to give a child to those who are too old. That's, I mean, if you look at it humanly speaking, there's no way that Abraham and Sarah can have a baby. In fact, that's what God wanted to do. He wanted to make sure it was to the point where they understood that this is not something that they're doing. This is what God is doing. And as we study Genesis 18, we see once again God comes to Abraham to remind him of the promise, the promise of the covenant, which will be the land, the seed, and the blessing. May we understand nothing's impossible with God as we realize that God's promises to us that whatever he says, he is faithful to do. It is not our faithfulness, it's his faithfulness. We'll see it as we go through. Let's start with prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the privilege we've come together uh, to sing, to worship our great God and Savior, to worship him through the study of the Word of God, to worship him as we remember his death and resurrection. So, Lord, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for each one that has come. Lord, may we have a great time tonight as we look at your Word, and then as we remember our great Savior and what he has done for us. Lord, thank you uh, for the Word of God, which is perfect, that it is alive and powerful, it never comes back void, it accomplishes all the purposes that you have, that it is the truth and it is profitable for us. So may we know it and apply it and pass it on to others. Teach us now as we look at the life of Abraham and Sarah and your promises to them. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you like to entertain? Some people love to open their houses and homes and have people over, and some people just would rather not. That's just how they say it. The Bible is all about hospitality. It talks about it. it talks about opening our home. In fact, uh, the word hospitality in the Greek, uh, it literally means a lover of strangers. That's what it means, to be able to take people in. Um, there's a special passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. It says, be hospitable. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says, be hospitable, for you may entertain angels without knowing it. That's what it says. I, I, I don't think, personally, I don't think anybody's ever been in my house that was an angel, but it could, could be. It's, it's possible that we'll see in this passage this, this evening that the Lord appears, but there are three people. And we're going to find that one is our great God and Savior, and the other two are angels, most likely, because we'll see it as it carries over into chapter 19. So there's a lot of great things there. And Abraham opens his home and his guest of the Lord and two angels. They've come to give information to Abraham and Sarah concerning the son. They also have come to tell about Sodom and Gomorrah. And we all know what about Sodom and Gomorrah. We've heard about it all our lives, about those two wicked cities. And we'll see what happens. Abraham opens his home. He shows hospitality. And by the way, that's exactly what would be expected for him to do. We'll talk about it as we get through it. Once again, this section remind, in this section, God reminds Abraham for about the fifth time of the promise of his son Isaac. There are two things in this section. Okay, We won't get it all tonight. Two things. First of all, Abraham's dialogue with God. First, the son is coming. That he's, He says, in about a year, I'll come back in about a year, and Sarah will have the son. Her response was to laugh. She laughed herself. She didn't laugh out loud. I want you to understand, she didn't laugh out loud where God could have heard her and said, oh, I heard somebody laugh in the tent. That's not what happened. She laughed to herself, and God said, Sarah laughed. 
because he knows everything. The second part of the, of the passage, which we will not get to tonight, is the judgment coming on Sodom. We see that God actually tells him, tells Abraham that I'm going to go look at the city. And bottom line is I'm going to go judge the city. And we're going to see Abraham's response to this, how he makes intercession. And there's a great truth next time when we look at this, that a small number of believers can make a huge impact. Okay, and we'll see it as we think about it. So a lot there. Realize as we start chapter 18, very little time has passed from the last time that God visited Abraham. He came to Abraham and changed his name from Abram to Abraham and Sarah's name from Sarah to Sarah. And Abram means big daddy, high father. Abraham means father of many nations. Sarah means nagger. Changed her name to Sarah, which means princess. And God had given them the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision. We talked about that last time, and that was not a comfortable subject to talk about, but it's the truth. And they, he said, that's going to be the sign of the covenant. And they circumcised every man there. And he said, anyone connected with me will be circumcised. Now, shortly after that, God is going to come again. Let me break down the chapter for you. First of all, we're going to see Abraham sees strangers, and he shows hospitality. That's the first eight verses. Then we'll see that God promises the son, and we see Sarah laughs. That's 9 through 15. That's where we'll stop tonight. Then we'll see next time God reveals judgment on Sodom and we'll see Abraham's response. And that'll be next week. There's some great things in that passage as we study it. Tonight we'll see that nothing is impossible with God. Let me tell you, that is a great statement, isn't it? Because we all know that there are things that happen in our lives and we say, we need some help. We need this. This is terrible. Something needs to change. Nothing is impossible with God. In this passage, two things. Abraham's hospitality and the promised child. Well, let's begin. These strangers appear. Now, if you understand that, if you watch the flow of the passage, if you go back to chapter 17, this is Abraham. It says, now the Lord appeared to him. It's talking about Abraham. Abraham is by his tent, and the Lord appears. And there's actually three people. It looks like three people. It's the Lord and two angels. And we see that these angels and God has made a manifestation of himself in human form. We call that a theophany. A theophany is kind of a technical term. It's kind of a theological term. It comes from theos and phanerao. Phanerao is a Greek word to mean to appear. And theos is the word for God. So a theophany, they put it together, means an appearing of God. And so it's some type of appearance. God appeared in the burning bush to Moses. He's appeared as a a human being with two angels who look like two human beings that appeared to uh, Abraham. And so God does that sometimes. He appears in that way. Let's see what happens. Notice it starts off by going, Now the Lord appeared to him, to Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. Now there's a lot in that first verse that we need to think about. First of all, if we didn't have verse 1, and all we had is Abraham is sitting there and three people show up, we don't know who those three people are. Abraham doesn't know exactly who the three people are. He's got an idea who they are. But the writer... Moses, who wrote the first five books, wanted us, and of course under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, he wanted us to understand that this is the Lord coming. Notice it says, now the Lord appeared to him. Tells us right at the start, this is God coming to Abraham. If you notice, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, all capitals, which is the personal name of God, Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, which is that special name. It just means the uh, the uh, the uh, ever-existing God. So the Lord appeared to him, to Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre. And Mamre, was a, uh, he was a man, and he had two other brothers, and they lived in that area, and they owned most of the land. And Abraham had a small section of land. In fact, the little part where he lived, he lived near the oaks of Mamre. There are these giant trees there, oak trees, that belong to Mamre. That's the guy's name. And uh, Abraham has a tent there. He lives there. Now, if you picture, and this is what you've got to get in your mind, don't picture 
a little tent and Abraham and Sarah and that's it. You remember, Abraham is rich. He's wealthy. He has 318 fighting men. That was earlier. He may have more than that now. There are other families. There are other people connected with him. And so if you came to Abraham, you might have his tent, but there would be a, an area that just you could see that would be just tents and people, and they would all be connected to Abraham. And so he, he's, he's, he is big daddy, although he didn't have any children at this time. So it says, Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of memory while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. It's hot. It's real hot. In the middle of the day, they didn't do anything. They did things in the morning. They did things in the evening. They didn't work in the middle of the day because it was too hot for them. So Abraham is just sitting there at the tent door in the heat of the day. Now watch what happened. When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. Now, this is strange because we talked a little bit about this last time that that he looked up and it says, behold, three men were standing opposite him. It's like he was looking down and then looking up and there are three people right there. It, this is, this is, he, he would have seen them coming from a long way off. So suddenly there are three people there. I think he knows that something is unique is happening here. It's not three guys that he said, you know, I think I see three people coming. But it'll be a while before they get here because I can see them way off. That's not what happened. He just looked up and behold, there were three men standing opposite of him. And, and look what it says he did. When he saw them, he ran to meet them. Do you run to the door when somebody comes? Or do you walk fast? It says he ran. Now, how old is he? Do you have any idea how old this man is? He's right at 100 years old. And he's running to meet these guys. So we could say that Abraham's in pretty good shape for 100 years old, right? He lifted up his eyes. Look, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. He ran to meet them. 100 years old. Let's not forget, Sarah is nine, right at 90. Abraham is right at 100 and he, when he's bowed down before them, now this would be a sign of hospitality, but it could be something else. He could be thinking, who could this be that just suddenly appeared there? Could it be the Lord? Could it be God? Notice what he says. And he said, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Now, when he says my Lord there, it's the word Adonai in the Hebrew. That is not the personal name of God. So he doesn't call him the personal name of God here. He calls him Lord, which would be, you could say that to another person. It would be like saying, Mr. It would be showing great respect. So Abraham says, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, don't pass your servant by. He's saying, don't go on. Stop right here for a minute. Allow me to serve you. And look what he says. He says, please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. Now, here's what he tells them to do. He says, well, would you mind doing this? Let me, if you'll just wait right here, I'll go get some water that will wash your feet, that will refresh you, and, and then you can rest under the tree. Because, see, there's not a whole lot of shade out there. That's why the Oaks of Memory was famous. They'd say, yeah, there's the Oaks over there, Memory's Oaks. Those are huge trees over there. And so he says, why don't you rest under the tree? I'll go get some water. He then says, too, I'll also get a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you can go on since you've visited your servant. They said, do as you say. Now, I want you to understand that in that culture, he said, I'll get some water to wash your feet, and I'll get you some bread. The culture demanded that if they said yes, 
He would go beyond getting them water for their feet, maybe water to drink, and a little piece of bread. You're going to see what he does. Because if someone said, yes, you may serve me, you may show hospitality to me, then they were required, basically, just in that culture, to go beyond that. And he's going to go beyond that. And uh, it, this was the normal thing, that when someone showed up. And, you know, in our culture today, we don't, we don't even know people. We don't know our neighbors very well. We don't know what's going on. If somebody just showed up at our house, we wouldn't immediately say, come, come in. We don't, we don't know you, but come on in and let's fix you a big meal. We would say, uh, what are you selling? You know, what, we, you know don't, we don't want them to come into the house, of course, so we, we don't. But in that culture, that's what they did. And, of course, uh, you know, to travel from place to place that weren't the Holiday Inns or the hotels or the Hampton Inns or any of those things. And most of the time when people travel, they had to stay with people, other people. They would just go to people's houses, and people would take them in. Now, our culture is different, but we want to, we want to, we want to reach out to people. That's what we want to do. Now, did he think that this could be God? Look what we think about it. It says that, they just appeared. I mean, they just appeared out of nowhere. He would have seen them from a long way off. And the way it's written here, it says that they suddenly, there were three men opposite him. Second is he bowed down. It's almost an act of worship. Now, in that culture, you might bow down to somebody. You might not. It, was, it would have been really showing respect if he'd have bowed down to just regular people. And the third, he hurried. Everything he's doing, he's doing as fast as he can do it. And uh, what, what really, and you, you know, when you think about it, from... If you can go to the next slide, what's happened here is from Abraham's side, he's showing hospitality. But from God's side, he's coming in because this is the fellowship of the covenant. Because he's going to renew again everything he's been talking about. You remember, I just want to remind you that God came to Abraham a long time ago and said, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a land, a seed, and a blessing. I'm making an agreement with you, a covenant with you. I'm going to give you a land that you will have forever. I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to give you offspring. It's going to come through you. It's going to start with a son, and it's going to be a huge people group. And also, there's going to be one coming from that seed, which will be the Messiah. And then he said, I'm going to give you a blessing, because in you, Abraham, all of the nations of the world will be blessed, because the Messiah comes through Abraham. That's what he's promised him. That's the covenant. We have been seen since chapter 12, since chapter 13, since chapter 15, chapter 18, uh, chapter 17, that God continually comes back over and over and reminds Abraham of the covenant. Now, there's something that's amazing because the covenant comes from Abraham to his son Isaac. God's going to come to Isaac and make the exact same promises. From Isaac, Isaac has sons, Jacob, uh, Jacob and Esau. God's going to come to Jacob and make the exact same promises. It's coming from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. That's the way God did it. Now, look what he did. Now, watch. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. He, he hurried in there because, see, this is, he's, he's doing fast. You know what he may be thinking? If I don't hurry up and do this, they may disappear. They may disappear. This is something special. I think he knows this is God. And so he says, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread uh, make bread cakes. He says, make something so that we can have them to eat. Three people. Then what did he do? Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf, gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. Now, he went out and he picked out something really good. And then he gave his servant and said, hurry up, get this ready, so we've got to have for these people to eat. And then what happens? He took curds and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tent as they ate. Now, it's, it's pretty amazing. He was standing before them. 
He didn't sit down with them. I think what he's saying is, you know, you're pretty important, so I'll just, I'll just kind of like stand over here while you eat. What has he done? He's greeted them. He's bowed down before them. He's washed their feet. He's given them water. He's prepared bread and food. He's the host. He stands while they eat. Tradition tells us that they could expect three days protection from him if they decided to stay in the area. That's tradition. That's the culture. That they have come to him and he, they could expect to say, we'll stay here tomorrow and the next day. And up to the next day, we could, if we wanted to. That's tradition, not in the Scripture, but that's the tradition of the culture that you hear. And it may be true, best we can tell. We've changed a lot. Our hospitality, do we open our homes? Are we reaching out to others? We live such hectic lives. We don't have time to do anything. You know, it always amazed me in, in the book of Job, when Job had went through all the problems and the three friends came. Do you remember what they did when they first got there? But no, they, they did what? For how long? Seven days. Okay, he's here, and they're over there, and they just sit there for seven days. Boy, I didn't say anything to him. What will we do? Okay, look, we're glad we look. We got, we got 15 minutes, but listen, we want you to know we're really praying for you. Seven days, they never even moved. Now, they didn't do such a great job once they started talking. Let's just say that. But... Uh, our culture is so different. And here's Abraham, and he brings these guys in. And technically, you know, they could stay there for, they could stay there really as long as they wanted to, as long as he wanted to do that. One of the characteristics in the scripture of a person in leadership in a church is they have to have hospitality. They have to open their home. They have to love strangers is what it literally says. We need to reach out to people because in a culture so hectic, if you reach out to people, you will stand out. You'll make a huge impact by reaching out to others. Well, the meal is complete. God's going to give Abraham some information. And this will be about the fifth time that he said this. Sarah's going to have a son, and they're going to name the son Isaac. Notice verse 9. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. Now let me ask you something. Do you think he knew Sarah was in the tent? Because he knows everything. Why do you think he said... Where is Sarah, your wife? You ever had thought about this? Who's in the tent? Sarah's in the tent, right? Okay, not a trick question. So Sarah's in the tent. What do you think she's doing in the tent? She's listening. She's there going, I wonder what they're going to talk about. And what does she hear mentioned? Her name. That's on purpose. He knows exactly where Sarah is. He's God. He knows where you are. He knows where everybody is does this on purpose. He says, where is Sarah, your wife? And as soon as she heard that, she went, he's talking about me. And she gets up close to the flap. Because everybody out there, there's the tree. Abraham's standing there. They're sitting there. There's the tent. She's in there listening. Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, well, they're in the tent. And he said, here's what he said. And, you know, it's, it's amazing that the women, of course, in that culture didn't eat necessarily with the men, especially strangers. And so she is in the tent listening. He said, notice, it didn't say, we will return next year. Because the only one speaking here is who? It's the Lord. We've got two angels in the Lord. The Lord says, I will surely return to you at this time next year, about a year from now. And behold, Sarah, your wife, 
will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind them. She's listening because she heard her name mentioned. And so she wants to hear what they say. And he says, I'm going to come back about a year from now, about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And she's listening. This is not from the angels. This is from God. He's making a promise. Now, they have waited for how long for this son? 25 years. Abraham was 75 years old when he left the earth of the Chaldees to come to the promised land. 75 years old. He is now right at 100 years old. They've waited seven, uh, 25 years. You know, sometimes uh, the promises of God are always sure and always true. But sometimes it's not the time and we think it ought to be. We pray for something and we say, Lord, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. I want this to happen right now. And God says, you know, it's going to happen. But not right this second. Because it will be better for you right here. You just don't realize it. See, it's going to be better for them to have waited 25 years. And we'd say, how could that be better? Well, because now they have to realize that's not from them. This child is from God. Because they can't have a baby. It's past time. So he says, about this time I'll return next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Think about the promise. It goes all the way back to chapter 12 when he said you'll have an offspring. In chapter 13, offspring. Chapter 15, he said, look to the stars. That's how many kids you'll have. In chapter 17, he said, you're going to have a son. Now in chapter 18, he says, next year about this time, you will have a son. Now what he does is he stops the narrative. And he's going to give us a little information on what's going on. And he says this. Now, now, just in case we didn't remember, just in case we had picked up on chapter 18 and hadn't read earlier, because look what he says. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. They're old. Advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. They are old. They've waited 25 years. And um, past childbearing, sometimes we wait on God and we think it's too long. Sometimes you think... That he's forgotten you. Why hadn't this happened? We've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and we've asked and we talked and we've done everything. It still hadn't happened. God will work his plan in his time. You know the Bible says he works all things according to the counsel of his will. It says he works all things together for good. Everything will be in his time and in his season and in his way. We just have to trust him. That's why this child can only be a miracle child. What is Sarah's response when she heard this? It said, now, Abraham, verse 11 again, now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and Sarah's past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord also, uh, my Lord being old also? Now, she laughs to herself. She didn't laugh out loud. She's not by the tent, and she goes, <laughs> She doesn't do that. It's inside she laughs. You've laughed to yourself before. You thought, I don't ever happen. That's so funny. But you don't laugh out loud. But guess what? God knows she laughs. He knows everything. He knows what you think. He knows everything about you. Now, would you want any of us in this room to know everything about you? How about your thoughts today? Some of your thoughts today, what if they were up there? Would you want any of your thoughts? I mean, there might be a good thought you had today about somebody, but did you have any bad thoughts today? Anybody have any bad thoughts? Yeah, 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 yeah. JJ, raise both hands. No, it just, we've, that's right. Do we want them put up there? We'd say, if we, if you put up there what we really think, how many of us in this room would like each other? 
we'd say, I, I can't even hang around that person. Look how wicked they are. And then they go, well, look at you. Uh, yeah, okay. Does God know every thought you have? Does He love you beyond what you can imagine? He loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love. It is so amazing. Well, it says she laughed to herself and she said, After I have become old, 90 years old, shall I have pleasure? The pleasure of having a child. And my Lord, she's, ta- she's calling Abraham what? Her Lord. Women, y'all need to remember that with your husbands. Call him Lord. That's what, no, I'm not saying that. But anyway, she said that. And she said, My Lord, being old also? Could this really happen? You know, Abraham has talked to her before. Back in chapter 17 when he was already told that through Sarah they would have the child. Maybe she didn't really believe it. Because what happened when, when God told Abraham? He actually laughed. <laughs> really, really, this is amazing. They're going to call him Isaac. That's laughter. God knows everything. Psalm 139. He knows our thoughts. He knows when we lay down, when we get up. He knows where we are. He knows everything about us. Matthew Henry said this, The promises of God are often repeated for the strengthening of our faith, for we're slow to believe. We are. Don't you sometimes read the Bible over and over and you go, You know, it's true. It's true. That's true. It's going to happen. That's true. i just got to take it over and over in the Scripture. The truth is repeated. How many times does it say that you have eternal life when you believe? How many times in the New Testament does it say salvation is by faith? You know how many times? How many? At least 164. Over 150 for sure. How many times does it say when you believe you get eternal life? Do you know that one? Over 40 times. Believing results in eternal life. I know people who believe in Jesus Christ and you say to them you have eternal life and they go, I hope so. The promises are repeated over and over again. I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? He is the one who gives provision. He is the protection. He gives inheritance. How many times does it say salvation by faith? Wow. Well, she was listening and she laughed. You know why she laughed? It just seems what? Too good to be true. I've talked to people and I say, you know, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life and you're saved and you're saved forever. It's not based on your faithfulness or goodness. And they go, that's too easy. It can't be right. That's too easy. See, it seems too good to be true. They say, no, it can't, it can't, be, that, it can't be that easy. It can't be that it's just faith in Christ and you're saved forever. It can't be that easy. It's too good to be true. Many of the promises of God seem too good to be true. Well, for Sarah, she says, seems too good to be true. So she laughed to herself. And the Lord said, notice, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? You know, you could hear Abraham go, I, I didn't hear anybody laugh. You can see Sarah going, how did he know I laughed? Who is this guy anyway? How did he know? And the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Can God do it? We have two famous people from the Old Testament, both of them laughing at the promises of God. What seems impossible in your life that God's not going to do? That someone you've prayed for for years will one day trust Christ? Aren't there people in your family and your loved ones that you prayed for that you, you best you know they've never trusted in Christ and you want them to? 
And sometimes you think, oh, they never will. They never will. Who knows? Or that you're going to get married. Because if you're like me, I wanted to be married from the time I was 18. I got married when I was 36. Just double the years. And there were times I thought, I don't know if I'll ever get married. I don't know if I'll ever get to get married. Or how about have a child? Or get that special job? Or a friend that you prayed for will one day be healed. Sometimes we say, I just don't think that can happen. Anything's possible with God, isn't it? He can do anything. Look what he says in verse 14. Is anything too difficult for the Lord at the appointed time? I will return to you at this time next year and Sarah will have a son. He says, is anything too difficult for the Lord? He's the who? He's the El Shaddai. He's the Lord God Almighty. He is the the providing one. He is the, the one that can do anything. Can God do anything? Jeremiah 32 says, The one who made the heavens and the earth, there is nothing too hard for him. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is the creator, redeemer. He can do anything. Notice the verse says, Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? The, the word difficult there in Hebrew is the word for wonderful. It's the same place where it says, He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. The word wonderful there means surpassing. He's saying, is anything too wonderful for God? Is anything too big for God? Is anything too impossible for God? The answer is no, nothing's impossible. F.B. Meyer, who is a great preacher, said, look to the word of the promise and then the one who promised it. Martin Luther said, our family troubles, our cares, our problems, and our needs are not beyond the power and the wisdom and the control of our Heavenly Father. In your life, is there anything too difficult for God? Is there anything too wonderful, too past for God? Whatever He has promised, He will do. God's character demands that He will do it. God's power enables Him to do it. Nothing's too difficult for the Lord. In this particular passage, God has chosen to do what seems impossible for people. A 100-year-old man, a 90-year-old woman, and by next year, they're going to have a baby. And this shows only from God. I will return in a year. I will return at the appointed time. And next year, Sarah will have a son. Now, notice what it goes on to say. Sarah denied it, however, saying, I I didn't laugh. But she is afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. You ever tried to laugh? You ever tried to lie to God? I really didn't think that. Yes, you did. I really didn't want that. Yes, you did. I'm really not that bad. Yes, you are. Right? He knows everything. Sarah goes, I didn't lie. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Can you hear it through the tent? I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. Aren't we glad God's promises don't depend on us? Did she believe? Listen to this. I've got, I think, uh, is it? Yeah. Listen to this. I'm going to read this for you. I'm going to read two places. First of all, Hebrews 11, 11. It says about Sarah. Listen to this. 
by faith. This is the Hebrews, Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to this. This is by faith. Even Sarah herself received ability to conceive. Even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who promised. Now after that, you know what she thought? If he said it, I'm getting it. If he said it, I'm going to have a baby. And that's exactly what happened. And then the other verse is Romans. I love this passage in Romans. Romans 4, because this is talking about Abraham. And listen to what this says. Romans 4, uh, verse 18. Listen to this. Talk about Abraham. God told him what he's going to do. And in hope against hope, he believed. Abraham believed. So that he might become the father of many nations according to what had been spoken to him. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith... He contemplated his own body. This is Abraham speaking about his own body. Now good is dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promises of God. He did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured that whatever God had promised, he was also, he was able also to perform. See, it came back to Abraham said, listen, it doesn't matter whether I'm dead sexually or not and whether whether Sarah is dead sexually or not. Whatever God promises, he will do. Wow. Do you believe that God does exactly whatever he promises? We say it. Do we always do it? Realize this. In a year, he's going to return. They're going to have a son, which will be fulfilled in chapter 21. We're just a few chapters away from this. And nothing, nothing's too hard. Nothing's too wonderful. Nothing's too hard for God. The promise of the son in a year, two people, too old, but nothing's too hard for God. Next time we see a, a really hard section as well, because from this point, the men get up to leave. And they're going to Sodom. That's where they're going. And God says, you know, should I tell Abraham about what I'm about to do? Yeah, I will. I'll tell him. And we see what Abraham does when he finds out that the whole city is going to be wiped off the face of the earth. What does he say? What have we seen? God appears to Abraham and Sarah. He shows hospitality. Uh, they show hospitality. He tells the promised son again, and Sarah laughs. And he says, anything too hard? And realize that God can do anything that he promises. Let me give you uh, two quick applications, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper. First application, realize God can do anything. He, and nothing's impossible. Nothing's too difficult. Nothing's too wonderful. He can do anything. Every promise that he's ever made that applies to us will come to pass. Now, how do we respond to the promises of God? Well, number one, you've got to dig the Word so you can know the promises. Because it's hard to trust the promises if you don't know the promises. So we need to study the Word of God so we can know what applies to us. And then B, we need to trust Him in His Word. When, when we see promises that belong to us, then we can say, this is true. And I am fully persuaded that what God has promised, He is able to do, always. Do you trust the Word of God? Do we base our lives on the Scripture? Remember, His promises are not dependent on our faithfulness, but upon His faithfulness. Second, here's one. Just Let's show hospitality. Think about how we'll stand out in our culture. We reach out to others. What are people's needs? This doesn't necessarily mean you got to have somebody in your house, but think about how you can reach out and meet the needs of others. There are people in our church that have needs. There are people who call into the church and they say, uh, I need this or I don't have this. Or, we can help them. We can help them.
Sometimes some of the needs are listed on that uh, the Countryside newsletter that comes out every Friday. It has some needs of people, some things that they need or want. Look on that. See well, how you can meet those needs. Open our homes. Reach out to one another. May we share our lives and may we see our lives as instruments of God to touch others. We want to make a difference as we trust God to fulfill His promises and reach out to other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Lord, help us to see that, that whenever you say something, whenever you promise is going to come to pass, may we trust you and believe you in all of these different things. Lord, thank you that nothing is impossible for you. Thank you, Lord, for these great truths. And help us to be men and women who know your word and live by your word. And may we also be reaching out to one another uh, to uh, help build one another up and help each other as we love through life. Thank you for these truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.